Come be a part of the Tea Party with your host, Dr. Ed Holliday. Hear the voices of liberty speaking all across America. Doc Holliday provides thought-provoking interviews and commentary about the issues and actions that are afflicting this country and what we need to do to get America back on track. Get fired up. Get inspired. Get on board Doc Holliday's Tea Party right now. It's only a click away. Patriots everywhere. There's nothing to fear. The 4th of July is here. Osama bin Laden is still dead. You're listening to Dr. Ed, better known as Doc Holiday, right here on Doc Holiday's Tea Party. You're listening to us on webtalkradio.net. That's webtalkradio.net. And we've got a great patriotic show. So listen up, folks. That's right. We've got a patriotic show that's going to be talking about the villains and the heroes. we got them both in today's show. And we got a special, special Rock of Liberty speech that's going to give homage to uh, Francis Scott Key and the inspiration that led him to writing our national anthem. You won't hear it anywhere else but right here on Doc Holliday's Tea Party, so stay tuned for that. And yes, we do have the Tombstone of the Week Award, and you'll want to listen to that. Somebody's been complaining. We always give them to Democrats. Well, by golly, you better listen up. We got some Republicans getting the Tombstone of the Week award. So listen up and see who they are, who the villains are this week. Now, today's show, we're going to go right in some news that you may not have heard anywhere else, but we're going to talk about it. And you may know the news consists of the presidential politics. On last week's show, we talked about Thunder on the Mountain. Well, it's more than thunder. We're getting some lightning bolts, and we're going to be telling you about what's going on in the Republican nomination. You know it. You've heard things. Let me tell you more than the rumblings. We're going to talk about that real soon here before we get to the Tombstone of the Week Award and then the Rock of Liberty speech for this special, special 4th of July week patriotic show. Listen to us and tell your friends about it. And let me say welcome to the new listeners. Those who've never listened to Doc Holliday's Tea Party before, we're glad to have you on board. We're glad that you're listening to us. Go ahead, tell your friends about us, because this show is going to help shape the destiny of America, because I'm telling you, there's a fork in the road. And the old uh, quip by Yogi Berra said, when you get to the fork in the road, take it. (laughs) Well, you know what? A lot of America say, when you get to the fork in the road, take it. But I'm telling you, we're going to just tell you which way to go. We're going to tell you about the road less traveled, just like Robert Frost did. He made the road less traveled, and he said it made all the difference. And we are going to make a difference. Right here at Doc Holliday's Tea Party, you listen to us every week. You're going to get some information and news you won't get anywhere else. You're going to get it with a passion that will decidedly Lead this nation in the direction we need to go. You talk about a fork in the road, I'm going to talk to you about it in just a minute. But let me tell you about presidential politics. How about that Michelle Bachman? Has she not just come on fire? Well, I'm telling you, she is going in the Iowa as she announced her presidency, the run for the White House right there in Iowa. And she is uh, a well-spoken lady, a lady that she reminds you of Margaret Thatcher. And people want to put her down and want to ridicule her. I'm telling you, the Iron Lady of America is not going to take it. She's not going to take that. I don't know what you want to call it. Just what Chris Wallace did. Are you a flake? 
my goodness, what kind of, that's just a cousin of racism. You take a woman that's conservative and you look in her eyes, she's running for the presidency of the United States, and a reporter says, are you a flake? There's a lot of things that she could have said and done. She kept her cool, and I'm telling you that this has got to stop. Everybody wants to look at a Republican woman, conservative, and say they have no business being in politics unless you're going to laugh at them and lampoon them. That has got to stop, folks. You wouldn't do it to an African-American. You wouldn't do it to uh, any kind of liberal. Uh, you give respect even a Nancy Pelosi that deserves no respect for what she's done to this country. But let me tell you, when you, we, we come together as Republicans and conservatives and Tea Partiers and independents and Democrats, there's got to be respect for somebody who's going to run for the President of the United States. Did you ever hear any reporter look at Al Sharpton and ask him if he's a flake? My goodness. Come on, America. You listen up. We're going to look at the differences. We're going to talk about the fork in the road. But that Michelle Bachman, Congressman Michelle Bachman, has come out with some fire, and she's ready to be a hard-hitting woman. And I'm telling you, we, she needs to get a two-by-four and just start swinging and let's see if she can swing to the fences. What else is going on? Thunder on the mountain I mentioned last week. Last week about rumblings about down in Texas, Governor Rick Perry. Is he going to get into this race? We got Herman Cain. You got Tim Pawlenty. You got Romney sitting pretty in a catbird seat. At least he, think he, is, he thinks he is. And you got all the different ones running now. Uh, Ron Paul running. Uh, Newt Gingrich. There's a whole has hassle, a gang of them coming together. And we know last week we heard from our friend, uh, Adrian Ross from New York, our African-American friend up there, and she just will not accept that Sarah Palin's not running. Until Sarah Palin says she's not running, she is a Sarah Palin fan. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of Sarah Palin fans out there that want her to run. Now, if she chooses not to run, will she be able to vert these uh, fans of hers, the people respect her and her policies and what she stands for, Will she be able to direct him to one of the other candidates? I don't know. You don't either. But that's why you're listening to Doc Holliday's Tea Party because we are going to start digging into these things, and that's why it's important you listen to us right here on the show every week. And our new listeners, once again, you can go back to our archives. Last week, we, I just told you about Adrian Ross, African-American friend, a school teacher up in upstate New York. Had a wonderful conversation with her last week. Go back, and we've been talking about the different candidates. You can look at the archives. Listen to those shows because it's valuable and bringing you up to speed on what we're talking about on Doc Holliday's Tea Party. And when I say America is coming to a fork in the road, there is no better way to describe it than look at the difference between the state of California and the state of Texas. California is losing jobs. Taxes are going up, 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 and up. Texas is making jobs, making so many jobs, it's unbelievable. Did you read an article from George Will talking about what's going on in Texas? This, this is something I couldn't believe, but uh, George Will told us that under Governor Perry's leadership since 2001, you remember he took over, he was lieutenant governor when, governor, when George W. Bush 
uh, became president. And so he took over the governorship of Texas, and he's been there for 10 years now, three elected three terms. And now it says, you know what has happened? It says, since that day till now, there have been more jobs made in Texas than all the other 49 states combined. Wow, did you hear that? One state, Texas, has made more jobs than all 49 other states combined. And you tell me why, you ask why, why does the working class people like Rick Perry? Well, that's the reason. Jobs, jobs, jobs. The one thing that Obama said it was going to be his number one priority, and he went right into the office and he started working on health care. <laughs> Forgot about that number one priority, didn't you, President Obama? Now you sort of wish you to listen to the American people a little more because people want jobs, and there's no better proof in the pudding than looking at, looking at Texas. There's something Rick Perry has done, something Texas has done that other states haven't. If you look and see the business-friendly attitude, when you realize what Rick Perry is trying to do in cleaning the air up in Texas, going by state standards, and you got the EPA under the Obama administration suing the state of Texas because the only thing I can figure out, the state of Texas is making so many jobs, it's embarrassing the president of the United States, and he knows it's going to get licked in this next election, election when facts come out, and he has nowhere to hide. You know, he's, the water has he's gone, out, uh, gone off the shore. It's like the, like the low tide. And all the stuff, all the junk that this administration's been doing for now going on three years, it's going to be exposed, it's going to smell, it's going to stink to high heaven, and the American people like you and me and Tea Partiers are going to shout from the mountaintops, let's find somebody who knows how to run a business, somebody who knows how to get jobs made, how to create jobs. Government doesn't create jobs. They make sure there's an atmosphere of a job creation. Listen to what Governor Perry says in Texas. He's got the job done. He's made more jobs in the last 10 years than the 49 other states combined. Wow. Now that's a figure you can put in your pipe and smoke on it. Wow. I'm telling you. Uh, so thunder on the mountain. Governor Rick Perry. Is he going to run? If he does, how big will the splash be when he jumps in the water, when he jumps into the race? And if that, is that splash going to be so big that it knocks others out of the water? Those are the questions you want to know, and I'm going to help you find those answers in the coming weeks. So stay tuned to Doc Holliday's Tea Party. And now it's time for the Tombstone of the Week Award. And I told you at the beginning of the show, there's not one party that corners stupidity and actions that should be buried six feet in, under the tombstone. And I'm going to tell you something that just, it just riles Tea Party folks like me, Doc Holliday, like you listening to me. I'm glad you're listening because I'm going to tell you about something that should make you sick. Now, I don't care how you feel on this issue. And I'll tell you what I'm going to talk about. I'm talking about New York. New York passed uh, the gay marriage uh, law where now uh, the 
You can have same-sex marriage within 30 days. You'll have same-sex marriage in the state of New York. There are some uh, religious exceptions that are written into law, and supposedly something that, uh, that's written in that law, if any part of that law is found unconstitutional, the entire law shall fall. So that's, that just drives me crazy. These far-left liberals want to want to do everything they can to get something they want, and then they'll, they'll give a little, little leeway and they come back a year or two later and yank it out from under, the, like the religious exceptions. So there is a, a clause in there, thank goodness, that they put in. Thank, thank God, some people say, that if they try to take away those religious exceptions, the entire law shall fall. So thank goodness that was put in there. But it still doesn't excuse what happened. Uh, what happened was there's four Republicans became turncoats. What's a turncoat? Well, a turncoat is, there's not a better example than uh, you go back to the Revolutionary War and, and you know what I'm talking about. Uh, Benedict Arnold, he was a turncoat. Almost could have ruined the whole independence movie uh, movement if a General Washington's Men at the centuries had not stopped and found the miraculously found out uh, the, he was spying and sending information about the troops. And anyway, Benedict Arnold was discovered, found as a spy. And you know what he did? He moved to the British because he'd already teamed up to the British. You know what? He died poor. He never got any respect over in Britain. They said, if you're gonna if you're gonna be a spy and a turncoat and try to hurt America, how can we ever trust you over here? He died poor and dishonored and really miserable. He's a turncoat. And I'm telling you, there were some Republicans in New York in this, uh, in this uh, vote uh, for, for same-sex marriage in New York. They campaigned as strong conservatives that would upstand traditional family values. They campaigned on that. They campaigned in conservative districts to say they would stand up for traditional values. Now, if you, like I said, I'm not going to get in this Tea Party pushing uh, any kind of marriage amendment at this point. If you think I should, email me. You know, this is a touchy su subject. I agree, and I'm going to take it head on. I'm going to handle it just like a, a matador handles a bull. I'm going to take it by the horns and tackle it right here on Doc Holliday's Tea Party of this Tombstone of the Week Award. And if you don't like that, if you think I'm wrong about tackling this issue, then email me at radio at tparty.ms. Radio at tparty.ms. If you think that, I'm, that I shouldn't be approaching this subject on a Tea Party show. But I'm telling you what makes me sick is Republicans who campaign on one thing and turn around and sell out their uh, constituents. They campaign to be conservative and traditional values. In a conservative district, they got elected to the state senate of New York, and then when it comes up to this vote on same-sex marriage, I'll tell you there are there were four Republicans who became Benedict Arnold's to their constituents. One was Jim Alessi, another was Roy McDonald, another was Steve Saland, and then Mark Grisanti. You know, I hope the constituents throw them out. For lying. 
for campaigning on one thing and voting another way. Supposedly, what happened about a few days before the vote, they got into the governor's mansion, and uh, the Democratic liberal governor, Cuomo, whatever he did, whatever he promised, whatever happened, you know, he, he got them to change their votes. And supposedly there was some that uh, uh, they were worried about some conservatives coming after them if they voted for it. So supposedly some GOP uh, deep pockets are going to cover their rear ends. Don't let them do that. If somebody's going to stand up and say one thing and vote another way, get them out of office. All our friends in New York, you Tea Partiers up there, Look at these folks. The conservative party said they sold out. The Republican party, uh, uh, you know, the constituents that put them in there said they sold out. And they sold out, folks. They sold out their own constituents. I hope these four Republicans do not return to the state Senate of New York. Jim Alessi, Roy McDonald, Steve Salen, and Mark Grisanti. Those four individuals, their actions, their vote, Against what they campaigned for, they get this week's Doc Holliday's Tombstone of the Week Award. And that is why they get it. Because they campaign one way and vote another. We're tired of the junk. The Tea Party folks says take a stand and make it happen and have a backbone. I don't care if the governor's trying to twist your arm and promising all kind of goodies. Have a backbone. And that's why we need people in Washington who has a backbone and that's why we're coming up on this debt ceiling. And I'm telling you, we need to be calling our congressmen and telling them to stand up. There is no way we will default if we don't increase the debt limit. There's no way we'll default if we just pay our interest and start cutting the other things that should have been cut before anyway. Let's look at the Democratic budget and see where they cut. Oh, my goodness, for the second year in a row, there's no budget from the Democrats in the Senate. No budget. Fiscal responsibility, folks. Put the jokers out. They don't deserve to be in that body of the United States Senate if they cannot even tell us a budget. Fiscal responsibility. They have none. The second year in a row with no absolutely no budget whatsoever. The Democrats in leadership, it's just abysmal. If they don't put a budget out, none of them should run in for re-election. They all should be thrown out next year. What a, what a big bunch of cowards. Don't even put out a budget. Goodness gracious, give me a break. Whoa, okay. Now, I got that off my chest. How are you doing? I hope that you're listening to us right here on the 4th of July as things are getting hot right here on Doc Holliday's Tea Party. Hope you got your fireworks ready. If you haven't seen any yet, go out and get you some fireworks and get out of the city limits and let them rip. Now, let me let rip uh, something you need to hear as you're listening to us on Doc Holliday's Tea Party. I'm your host, Ed Holliday. You're listening to us on webtalkradio.net. That's webtalkradio.net, and I'm glad... I am so glad you're listening to us right here in our patriotic week, a celebration of the 4th of July. You hear us get hot and heavy on some of the things that make us upset, some of the things that make us happy. We've talked about the villains and the heroes. We've got some heroes like Michelle Bachman, uh, Governor Rick Perry of Texas. we got some villains that uh, we just mentioned, the four, uh, the four turncoat 
Benedict Arnold's to their constituents. And, and we've also talked about the villains of uh, what's going on with the Democrats in the United States Senate. No budget. No budget. I call that a villain. Don't you? <laughs> I can, yeah, I heard you. I know what you're thinking. <laughs> yeah, I could call some other names too, but I'm not going to. My mother may listen to this show. Okay, <laughs> now, now let's uh, get into what I wanted to do. The Rock of Liberty speech, July 4th, year 2011. Let's get it going, folks. I want to tell you about a special, special, special story you may have heard. Most of you have heard it in one way or other. But I want to tell you from a poet's point of view. You know I like poetry, and I've tried to do a few Tea Party poems and got it on my website at www.teaparty.ms. You can go there, look at some of the poems I've done, and got some other places. But some Tea Party poetry there for you. This is culture. You know, I just thought about that. Our Senate Majority Leader, the uh, Honorable, uh, is it Honorable? I, I'm not sure I need to call him that. Anyway, Harry Reid wants the cowboy poets, wants to give thousands of dollars for the cowboy poet, the poets uh, to have their get-together. Well, I tell you what, you can listen to Doc Holliday's Tea Party for absolutely nothing. You're going to get some poetry here and there, and I'm glad to provide it. So, but we're going to talk about the Star Spangled Banner we're going to talk about the story, how it came about. So listen up for the Rock of Liberty speech coming up right after I tell you about Where'sAmericasJobs.com. That's where you need to go. Where's America's Jobs going? Well, they're not coming into America unless you live in Texas, maybe. I'll just talk to you about Texas. But go to the website, Where'sAmericasJobs.com. Go to, you can hit the banner right there on the front page of Doc Holliday's Tea Party. And go there. i got a good friend runs that site, and you need to go visit it, too. I also want to tell you about my website, www.teaparty.ms. Check it out. Like I said, i got some poetry on there. Still $9.99 during this patriotic season. You can get my book, Walk With Me, A Patriot's Guide from the Boston Tea Party to Today's Tea Party Revolution. It's on a special. Everybody should have that book. If you got some liberal friends, buy it and give it to them. And that should help them understand this Tea Party movement. And so I want you to get that book while we got it on special. Got a few more left at that rate. And then we'll probably have to bump them back up. But during this special patriotic season, I want everybody who wants a copy of that book to get it. $9.99 including shipping. You can't beat that. Go to my website and uh, order that book today. Now, let me also tell you the Tea Party Review magazine. If you don't have it, you need to get it. Great new magazine about the Tea Party movement. Everybody that has anything to do about the Tea Party needs this magazine. And right now, this past couple weeks, they've been in Iowa on a bus tour. The Tea Party Review bus tour has interviewed several of the uh, presidential nominees, the the presidential candidates for the Republican nomination. They've interviewed them and got it right there. You can go to the website at Tea Party Review and uh, you can click on my banner, the Tea Party Review, to get over there to that website and order the magazine. If you don't want to order the magazine, just read about what they got some articles online. They got the best articles in the magazine that's not online and some of them written by me. And then also they got uh, Doc Holliday's Tea Party. You can check uh, our Tombstone of the Week Award you can check it right there on uh, the Tea Party Review uh, 
magazine online version. So click on there on the heading right there on the banner. And now it is time for this special, special Rock of Liberty speech, July 4th, 2011. Let's dedicate this Rock of Liberty speech to none other than Francis Scott Key. Let me give you a little background. If you know the War of 1812, that's when this the Star Spangled Banner was written. And the War of 1812 wasn't so, going so good for America. It was actually in the year 1814 in the fall. And... The Washington had been ransacked. The Capitol had been burnt. The, uh, the, the White House had been burnt down. And, and the president was on the run. President Madison and his wife were uh, trying to hide and get, get away of the British. And it was just all the government was being shut down and run out of town. And America was not in a good mood. And, it, and victory was not something that was just Americans were talking about. They were thinking about hanging on. And could they hang on? Fort McHenry, that was there right outside of Baltimore, protecting Baltimore. And that was, uh, that's where these British were going. And they tried to attack Fort McHenry by land, and it didn't, didn't work. And so they had to decide, well, what are we going to do? And, and, and uh, of course, the, I, I think you can understand the British naval <laughs> Navy was cocky. They said, hey, get these guys off the land and let us have them. We got the best, most superior force, naval force in the history of the world. And in fact, they, had, they knew their guns could outgun the Fort McHenry because they had the newest technology. And their guns could shoot further than the best guns of Fort McHenry. So they said, just line us up. They had 16 battleships. said, line us up. And we will show you how to make a fort surrender. And that's what they did. Uh, they were getting ready. And during that time, as they were deciding what to do, it just so happened there were some Americans that were on another mission. One of them was a young attorney named Francis Scott Key, and he was going for a man, uh, uh, American Leagues, the own officer that helped uh, get uh, prisoners of war free. Well, they were on a mission because what the British did is they came up through different communities. They ransacked some, and they took prominent citizens as a, a hostage, prisoners of war, and they stuck them on their ships. And, and, and that's what they had done with a one Dr. William Beans. He was an elderly physician. that uh, People loved him. But they took him and, and as a prisoner, and, and he was on the board of a ship. And people were worried that they were going to hang him, walk, make him walk the plank or something. They just thought they were going to, he, they might never see him again. So the young attorney named Francis Scott Key was sent with uh, Skinner to go in there and uh, try to get his release. As they went in, they, they had to sell out to the British fleet and talk and under a flag of truce. They talked to the commander. They were not going to let Dr. Beans go, but... Being a smart young attorney, Key had gotten letters written by British prisoners of war talking about how well Dr. Bean had treated them and, and had helped their wounds. And, and these letters helped secure the release of Dr. Bean, but they were told, no, you see what we're doing here. You can see what we're up to. You shall not go to shore after the battle is over. And so they were stuck on a ship behind the British fleet, and actually about eight miles away from Fort McHenry. So it, was, it wasn't like across the harbor. 
And uh, what Francis Scott Key had to do during this battle was to uh, look through his uh, uh, telescope, scope out there and see what was going on during the battle. It's 25 hours of constant bombardment. And uh, actually in the morning of September 13th, they started firing in the morning. And, and they said they actually fired about 1,500 bomb shells that weighed as much as 220 pounds. We're talking about 1814, folks. I know that might not scare you much now, but, I mean, these were huge guns. Uh, this new technology that carried the lighted fuses, they were supposedly would make them explode when it reached a target. But this was new technology back then, and they weren't always dependable. What happened, a lot of these bombs would blow up in the midair. British also had some special new boats. This I'm talking about this is a technology savvy British Navy in 1814 and had something the rest of the world didn't have, but they had these new rockets and they had a tracer, like tracers and wobbly arcs of red would come across and flame across the sky. And Americans had been good about sinking some vessels. And so the British said, hey, we got superiority. We can shoot further best guns at the fort. So they just put their ships back a little further. And what they had to do, they had to shoot their projectiles higher in the air to get to the fort. But that way the cannons from the fort could not even touch. So the British were smug and confident and cocky and said, we're just going to blow that fort to smithereens. And that's something that Francis Scott Key understood. You know, he knew American, the American Navy had nothing like the British. And he was sitting there and had to watch this bombardment all day and all night of uh, September 13th and night. Then it got to be September 14th. And like I said, it's 25 hours of this. But during the night of September 14th, bombing stopped. Now the heart of Francis Scott Key was beating. This was the nation he loved. This is where free men reigned. And this was a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And it was close to being defeated. Washington had fallen. Now they were going after Baltimore, which is the third largest town in the colonies at the time. Fort McHenry had to survive, or the, the future of America looked very bleak. This was what Francis Scott Key had on his heart. And he was looking at that flag during the battle, during the bombs bursting in the air. And at the twilight's last gleaming, he had seen that flag. And that's why, as a poet, when you hear something, when you hear something inside your head, as a poet or a songwriter, a creator of words, a writer, you know sometimes you've got to jot them down quickly. If you don't, it's like sometimes when you have that dream. Sometimes you're dreaming in the morning, thinking, that's a great dream. And by the afternoon, the dream, you've forgotten it. You knew it was a good one, but you've forgotten what it is. And that's what these words will do. Sometimes when you're creative, you, these words will hit you. And if you don't jot them down, you may never remember exactly what they were. And you can't ever go back and re-grab them, or grasp them in most cases. So Francis Scott Key pulled a letter out from his jacket and wrote down some words. And the first word says, Oh, say, can you see by the dawn's early light? He was wondering, can I see? Is that flag still up there? And the flag, let me tell you, was uh, the commander there. It was Armistead, and he had commissioned a flag, actually the Mary Pinker's Gill, and she was commissioned a year before to actually make two flags. One was 25 feet long, 17 feet wide. It was like for the storm 
during storms and and heavy weather, bad weather, and also during the battle. This was the flag that Francis Scott Key saw during the battle by the by the b bombs bursting in air. But she was also commissioned to do a garrison flag. It was 42, 42 feet long and 32 feet wide. And folks, I'm talking about 1814 here. You think of what it took to make that flag. Armistead knew that Fort McHenry could very well be a major target, and he was right. They, the British came out to Washington, and here they are coming to Fort McHenry, and he wanted the British to know right where he was because, by golly, he was going to be ready for them. The British came, and they could not take them by land, like I said. So the British Navy, in all their superiority, lined up and said, we're going to blow the, that fort to kingdom come, and we're going to show the technology and superiority of the greatest military naval in the entire world. And they just bombarded, like I said, 25 hours. And during the night of the 14th, early wee morning hour, uh, the bombing stopped. So Francis Scott Key had to wonder, is my country defeated? Is that flag still there? The flag he saw by the twilight's last gleaming that it withstood so much of the bombardment. And now the guns grew silent. And he paced and waited. He waited. He did, had no news. He was stuck on a British ship. He had no news of what was going on. Was the fort defeated? Had the Americans surrendered? All these questions flooding through his mind. And then by the dawn's early light, he got his telescope and he looked, and what did he see? But what they had done, the Americans had taken down the storm flag, the smaller flag. They'd put up the garrison flag, the huge 42-foot-long flag, 32 feet wide. They'd put up that flag. Francis got key. I can, it was like a sparkle in his eye. It's like a thump in his heart. He's thump of goodness. He jumped for joy, and I'm telling you, that's why he wrote those words, Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we held at the twilight's last gleaming, whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight or the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming. And the rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air, gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. Oh, say does that star-spangled banner yet wave o'er the land of the free and the home of the brave. Oh, he asked that question. Does it still wave? And he saw it. Not only the flag he saw, it was the bigger flag that was up that morning in victory. Fort McHenry withstood the bombardment. The British did not win that battle, and the war was completed in another two or three months. The Treaty of Ghent was signed, and, and the war was over. But it was that, that great stand at Fort McHenry that Francis Scott Key witnessed. He put he went on back to the hotel after they were released, went back to land, got to the hotel, and wrote four verses, four wonderful verses. I'm not going to go over them all here, but you ought to look them up on the Internet somewhere and read all four verses of the Star-Spangled Banner. 
Wow. Love to hear the words. Love to think of that battle. But not only that, but all the battles that made America free. All the men and women, the brave citizens, those who have not made it, like the ones that were cut down on D-Day, even before the landing craft could get the doors fully open, so many of them cut down, gave their lives for the freedom we have today. I think about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. living every day under the threat of death for year after year after year and not backing down. For I think about the farmers. I think about the inventors. I think about our businessmen who put together these capitalistic ideas of being able to, to invest, borrow money, and put it at risk to build towns and cities and industries and to give people jobs. That is the beauty of America. That is what the Tea Party movement is about, to help bring this country together to understand what takes capitalism to move forward and to help our neighbor, not by what the government can do for you, what JFK, our Democratic president, said, ask not what America can do for you, but what you can do for America. And what you can do now from Doc Holliday's Tea Party is to get in the Tea Party movement, join us, listen to us every week, help people get involved, because we have got to keep the roots of freedom drenched in good water, feed it, water it, Keep these roots strong, and we're going to grow back. It may feel like the dead of winter. It may feel like the leaves are never sprout and grow. But I'm telling you, the sap is in the roots, and the Tea Party movement is moving, and we're going to grow. The branches are growing. We have just begun to bud. I am excited because you're listening. I'm excited because we're working together. We're making a difference on local, state, and national levels. Geared up, folks. Listen to us next week. we got some good interviews coming up talking about everything from the gun owners of America. We're talking about the what's happened at the ATF under the Department of Justice with the gun runner problem going down into Mexico, the scandal down there. We've got some good interviews to help us understand that better coming up in the next couple of weeks show. So listen up. God bless you. Thank you for listening. Happy 4th of July. Thanks for joining us today. And remember to listen again next week for another edition of Doc Holliday's Tea Party. You can order Ed's book, Walk With Me, A Patriot's Guide from the Boston Tea Party to Today's Tea Party Revolution by clicking on the book cover right in front of you on the screen. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.